Hello, beautiful people. So today I'm very excited to have this amazing gentleman, Cody Jefferson. Uh, I've been looking for this interview. And before I actually introduce you to him, I just want to give a big shout out to all of you who have been leaving comments, reviews on the major podcasting platforms, Apple, Google, Spotify, and to those who have been watching on YouTube as well. Thank you very much. And I want to ask you for something. If you find some value out of this episode, which I'm sure you will probably, you, you will, um, I want you to share it with one person, since this is how we grow, this is how we share our message, this is how we motivate, inspire, and bless other people, and I know that 99% of you probably won't do it, but the 1% of you who do are the ones who make all the difference, so to you, I say thank you, and today, I have Cody Jefferson, he's a father, entrepreneur, public speaker, life and business coach, and he's the founder of Embrace the Lion, right, so uh, Cody is founder is, is the creator of Lion Elite. It's the top ranked coaching program for kingdom minded entrepreneurs looking to live, live like L-I-V-E, their legacy in their life and in their business. So, um, yeah. So, Cody, welcome, man. Thank you very much hey, for buddy. being here. I've been excited. It's good to be here, man. We've been trying to set this up for a while. So I'm glad that it finally worked out for us. Yeah, man. Uh, I'm glad as well. So, Cody, the first thing that I do with my guests, man, is to put them on the line, make them a little bit uncomfortable, right? This is uncomfortable for uh, for people, okay. and tell them to tell us a little bit about you and your entrepreneurial <clears throat> career, right? Your journey in 60 seconds or less. Oh, cool. Yeah, so I was in occupational ministry for 13 years, meaning I was a pastor. I was a youth pastor. I was a worship pastor. I was an executive pastor, a liturgical formations pastor, small group pastor. I did really anything and everything inside the church for 13 years. In 2017, I stepped out of occupational ministry, stepped out of the pulpit into the platform that I believe God had planned for me the entire time, taking all of those skill sets and turning that into an interpersonal coaching um, business that now has evolved into six different uh, verticals, nine different companies I'm invested with. Uh, so I get to I get to be the dad that I've always dreamed of being. I get to be the co-parent that I've always dreamed of being. I get to travel the country, equipping entrepreneurs, men, women, leaders, in being better than they were yesterday, and creating movements. So, in a nutshell, I help good men become great and help great men create movements. Cheers. I love that, man. Yeah. Um, I actually love that about, so the, the first time that I came into your Facebook profile, yeah. I read helping good men become great and, and then, and great men, uh, move, I mean, build a movement. I was like, Oh, I was moved by, by that. And I was like, am I a good man or am I a great? I was trying to like, you know, ask myself, but I sure. was. so yeah, I'm glad we connected man. And so I want to follow up with, uh, I'm, like, I'm curious, what does six verticals and invested in nine different companies mean? Yeah, so that means that I sit on the board of six companies. <clears throat> I am also a, a partner in a private equity firm called The Multiple Club. So I actually fly out tomorrow for an event that we have uh, with some of my business partners. So between those, and then I, I have nine different companies that I'm also invested in. So I share all that to say that in the past, what? four and a half years who've been able to do a lot with a little amount of time. And I attribute so much of that to one, obviously the mindset it takes to, to cultivate those kinds of results, but second environment and third, uh, your friendship. So the people that you're connected with your community. And so again, uh, I share all of those, not as a flex because there are people who obviously 
create more, generate more, all of that, but everything is relative. Sort of the scope of what, uh, what I've been called to, it's been a really, really fun journey. So that's why I share that. Cool. Yeah, man. I love it. Uh, being able to create in a couple of years would take, would take a lifetime for most people or what most people never even get to achieve. Right. So yeah. Mindset, environment and people. Right. So, mm-hmm. okay. So I think, uh, I think I know why I've been able to make so, such a big progress. I mean, I think, you know, my progress has been, you know, pretty significant in the last two years because of the mindset, because of the environment. I've completely blocked, blocked everything that doesn't serve me out. Sure. And the people look at who yeah. I'm talking to, right? Well, I mean, if you think about this, I mean, you're what, 20? Is that right? Yeah. 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 20. So, I mean, you've got to think about other 20 year olds. Nobody there, there aren't really, I mean, there might be a handful doing what you're doing. I don't personally know of any 20 year olds who, are running podcasts of this capacity, getting the interviews that you are. So you're really getting a master's level course in entrepreneurship, leadership, marriage, parenting, co-parenting, overcoming adversity. So you're able to avoid a lot of the roadblocks that a lot of us had to walk through simply by the interview process and then uh, applying that, that information and that knowledge, right? Because everybody says knowledge is power. Knowledge is not power. Applied knowledge is power. Knowledge is potential power. Right. So buying all the books on Amazon to read the first two chapters and then sending them on your desk and not doing anything with them, that's not power. Reading those books, applying it, going to conferences, doing interviews like this, learning from your mistakes, stepping into adversity, right? Not as a victim, but as, as a learning experience. All of that cultivates great resilience and, and helps you become the man that you're called to be. So at 20 years old, absolutely, you are you're carving a path that most wouldn't know existed simply by proxy of being around leaders and a caliber of man who has gone to, to hell and back and can tell the story. Yeah. And that's, that's the goal, right? That, that is the goal to like, build that's your goal, start. right? Yeah. 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 Sure. Just build myself, surround myself with people that are going to help me level up, right? Because you're the average of the five people you're surrounding yourself with. Mm-hmm. And as I do that, as I, as I do that selfishly, right? Yeah. Because I love myself and because I care about myself. Sure. I'm helping other men in the process that, you know, mm-hmm. that are, you know, walking the same path and walking the same journey. So 100%, man. And knowledge is potential power, right? The actual right. power is action and the implementation of that knowledge, which yeah. I just wanted to point out. And I like that. Sure. Right? Well, when people and, ask me how I've gone so far so quick, I mean, and it's all relative, but, but it has been a, a fairly short scope of time. And it's not that, I would consider myself smarter or more intelligent than anyone else. It's simply that I, I take in information and I will, I will take action. I will apply it faster. So mm-hmm. I will pivot faster. I will correct faster. I will listen to accountable voices faster and, and more intentionally so that I can, I can avoid certain roadblocks and then I can learn, right? So failure is nothing more than feedback. So often we use it as an assignment to identity that if I fail, I am a failure. No, right? That's ego, but we've never been taught that failure is more feedback than anything. So it's only through those little micro failures that we avoid the, the, the big blow up failures, but we should always be seeking those because those give us uh, a litmus test and, uh, and a compass as to our own true North. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And man, now that you mentioned true North, I, I just, sure. I had an interview with the true North man, right? He's founder mm-hmm. of the truth North man. So okay. I don't know if you know him. Who is it? Um, he helps men find their true north, form their identity, and fulfill their purpose. Sure. That's what that's what his message. Yeah. So I'm curious, like, can you talk a little bit more about like true north, finding your true north, and 
And um, what you mean, right, when you say that, you know, you, your compass, like failure as like your compass, sure. leading you in the way of your true north. Yeah. Well, and so for me, everything falls in the paradigm of being a Jesus follower. And so people's mileage may vary with, with what I have to say because I am a believer. So everything true north to me points towards Christ. Like that okay. is going to be, that's going to be the, the true north for me. So every morning I ask myself, what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I would be? So I take a look over the previous day as I do that evening and then that morning <clears throat> to look at the actions and habits and the mindset that didn't cultivate, um, you know, reaching that potential. And so often we think of potential as some, especially for those who grew up, like I grew up inside of the church, potential becomes this expectation that we're called to live up to. Right. So I grew up hearing things like God's got such big plans for you. You're going to do such amazing things that you won't even believe what he's going to do. And so that automatically there was this internal pressure And so the potential was always something that I was supposed to live up to, which caused a lot of dissension within my own like moral fabric in my own security and who I was and in my identity. So I became a yes man. I became codependent on affirmation, doing all things for all people, because I thought, well, this is what I'm created to do. And I was a pastor. So of course I have to do all these things. Mm -hmm. Now I look at it as my true North in my potential is not an expectation that I'm called to live up to but an outpouring of identity that I get to live into. So every morning, again, I wake up, I ask the question, what needs to die in me to become the man that I said that I would be? I look over the four pillars of what we do, right? Which is head, heart, health, and habits, how I treat my thoughts and my beliefs, how I treat uh, my relationships with myself, with others, and with God, how I treat my body, and then how I treat my time. So I want to be responsible in all of those pillars, and I want to utilize quantifiable metrics and, and data to be able to look at what is producing fruit and what is not. Again, going back to my frame of reference, right? you'll know a tree by the fruit that it produces. And so we always want to be taking an inventory of what is actually producing fruit. Like, is this actually creating the life that I want emotionally, spiritually, physically, financially, right? Relation, like, is it creating, or is it serving to confirm a suspicion that I've always had? Is it serving to keep me perceptively safe? Is it serving to continue a narrative that I was born into, or am I actually creating a new paradigm for myself? So for me, true North is becoming the man that I am called to become not only for me, but also because I have a six-year-old, almost seven-year-old son who is constantly and consistently watching me. He listens to me about 60% of the time, Mm-hmm. Right. About 60%. He's sick. So, you know, he, he kind of knows everything right now. Um, so he'll listen to me about 60% of the time and he'll listen to what I say and he'll listen to the ways in which I'm trying to lead him. But 100% of the time, Alex, he is always watching me and leadership. Damn. So often far more is caught than taught. And so for me, it is, again, am I being the man that I'm called to be? It is, if there was a camera on, Right now, 24-7, am I living in integrity? Could I turn the camera on at any time and my son see the man that he believes his father to be? That's the true north for me. Cool. Man, there's a lot that that we can dive deep into and dissect into everything that you just said (laughs) for the past three minutes. And like it blows my mind. Um, So like core values, um, you know, yeah. proving yourself right instead of, <laughs> instead of getting what you want, which is something that you mentioned. Um, yeah. Also, like what, what I actually want to dive into is 
what, what do you mean, right? For the audience and, and, and like for everyone listening, what do you mean about, what do you mean when you say that you're not living up to an expectation, but you're living into an identity? Yeah. <clears throat> so, so often we, we feel this pressure to perform. Mm-hmm. And, and oftentimes we inherit it. We live in a very performance-driven culture, right? Even, even most of our religious practices are very performance-driven currently. Businesses perform. Everything is derived on performance. And we're also in a constant comparison because we live in a, in a world that is driven by comparison. Social media, right, allows filtered lives to be compared to unfiltered lives. And we're constantly looking at the other person's grass and recognizing how much greener it is perceptively than ours, right? We don't recognize that they have a filter on it. And so when you have that coupled with this idea that, again, we live in a very purpose-driven centric world, like you have a purpose, you were born on purpose, there is a call on your life, There there is something that you're called to live into that can create an unrealistic expectation. And a lot of us grew up with parents who placed really high expectations of performance on us. Mm-hmm. Right? They wanted us to do really, really well in certain aspects of life or in all aspects of life. And so we've grown up with this pressure to perform right? and being, being what you would call a high achiever or an academic, an athlete, um, someone who is in occupational leadership, right? There is also a perception of performance, right? There's an on switch. And so what this can do is this can lead to immense burnout. It can lead to never feeling like you're enough. It can lead to depression, isolation, sedation, right? Because at the end of the day, you just want to turn the noise off because there's so much self-imposed pressure and pressure that you think others are placing on you because of your position. Is it true? It's true to you. It's real to you. And it was real to me. In 2000, end of 2016, it almost uh, killed me. Right. So I went septic as a result of an immense amount of stress that I was placing on myself. I had, I had lost uh, a, a number of family members and friends, eight over the course of mm-hmm. a year, all unrelated tragedies. I was also walking through a very public divorce while in ministry, but I was showing up 24 seven as the pastor, never giving myself any time to process anything because I just, there was again, right. An expectation that I had placed on myself that I have to be these things and I have to be the strong one. And I have to be the one that always gets through things. I have to be the one that holds everything together. I have to be the man. I have to be the guy that's strong. I have to be the guy that's in control. I have to be the guy that pushes down his emotions so that he can logically move things forward. Because if I don't move things forward, things don't move forward. Right. Which is a really unhealthy view and a really egocentric view. And then it all came crashing down. I went septic. I was in the hospital for a few days, unconscious, like almost died. Yeah. It was then I recognized this is the legacy that I am living into my son. I am teaching him that you are only as valuable as you are useful, which isn't a frame of identity that I ever want him to occupy. I want him to understand that he is enough, always been enough, will always be enough, that there is nothing to prove, hide, or protect. Amazing. And so, awesome. so now we look at it as, yes, I woke up. I'm breathing. Like you breathe, you won the lottery. Like you're alive. You're alive to kiss those that you love. You're alive to hug your child. You're alive to compliment your spouse. You're alive to walk in intimacy. You're alive to forgive. You're alive to pursue. And so for me, pursuit every day is going all in, in all endeavors of life. Now, do I get it right all the time? No, no. But 
I'm constantly improving because I audit my days and because I take inventory of what I actually produced, right? Again, not as an expectation, but just because I can. People ask me like, what's your why? I woke up. I don't have some like crazy existential why, like, is it my kid? Sure. Is it me? Sure. Is it you? Sure. I woke up. I'm alive. I've buried too many people. And as a pastor, I've, I've led every single one of their funerals. I stood over my 18 month old niece as she was buried after being murdered. I stood over my 19 year old sister after she was murdered and buried her. I stood over my best friend and buried him. I stood over my sister-in-law and buried her. I stood over my aunt buried her. I stood over my mentor and buried him. I've just buried too many people. Life is way too short. So I go all in, not because I have to, but because I get to. You replace your got to with get to. That's what I mean. It's not an expectation. It's a promise and it's a gift. That's amazing, Cody. And well, first of all, man, um, sorry for all of the people that you've lost and you had. That's life. Carry. Thank yeah. you. That's life. That you, we don't know the beauty of life without the suffering of loss. Mm -hmm, 100%. Right. And it sounds, it sounds like all of this sounds to me like gratitude, man. Right? And actually... The other day I saw your story uh, in which like someone was asking you, hey, Cody, like, how are you happy all the time? How are you like really, you know, a bee all the time and really happy? And sure. you're like, I'm not. I'm not happy all the time. What I am, though, is grateful. Yeah. Well, because where gratitude lives, right? Anxiety and fear can't. Resentment can't live where gratitude lives. And so every morning I wake up and, the, and everybody talks about like, you know, their secret morning routines which is great. There's books on it. Everybody's got their like little magic formula that works for them. I, every morning I wake up and I'm just, I breathe in gratitude. Like I woke up. Cool. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I woke up. The only reason any of this world exists is because I'm awake right now. That's crazy. Right? Yeah. That's it. Like, does all this go away when I'm no longer here? I don't know because I don't know what all this <laughs> is. It's so, you know, it's, it's just, it's so bizarre to think about what we're actually, it's just weird. Why aren't like, it's weird why we're here. And so, but I'm grateful and I'm going to go all mm -hmm. in. And so I wake up and I express gratitude. I, I, I thank God for the people in my life. I thank God for the opportunity. I thank God for his grace. Thank God that he's brought me this far to not only bring me this far, but to push me past my own expectations for what life can be. And I make sure to communicate that gratitude. So I'm very, very intentional to tell the people that I love every single day that I'm grateful for them. Because cool, you man. never know. You never know. Yeah. I never and want it to be know. on the line that someone doesn't know how I feel about them. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's great to express what you're feeling about people because if you didn't express it, it just, it, like, it's nothing. It's just an idea that doesn't exist. Right. But if you express it, if you write it down, you leave them a note, it mm -hmm. becomes something. And it's a sure. very powerful gift. And we find this in parenting and in marriage, even in business, but when for the sake of relationships, we find this all the time, right? We confuse intention with actions and it's our intentions that are actually hurting us because for the married man, you can keep intending like, ah, oh, I intended to call her. I intended to plan the date night. I intend, I, I meant to pick up flowers. I just got busy and time goes by and time goes by and distance keeps being cultivated in your relationship. And you keep thinking to yourself, yeah, but I meant to do all these things. And so the other, well, I meant to, I meant to, I meant to, I meant to, but meant do to it. doesn't mean anything. And the same is true with our kids, right? I meant to come to your game. I meant to take time off. I meant to be home at dinner. I meant to tuck you in. I meant to take you to school. I meant to, I meant to, I meant to, I meant to, 
but meant to doesn't mean anything. And what we find is our meant to's create distance in the intimacy of our relationships because we have created this interesting cyclical pattern of dopamine hit. Every time we intend to do something, we confuse that mm-hmm. with actual action because it feels the same because we made a decision and because Damn. we celebrate decision-making so much culturally, right? You posted gym selfie on January 1st, like that's the dopamine hit that you needed. But by January 31st, because you've had no accountability or direction towards where you're going, you find yourself back on the couch, right? Why? Because you confuse that dopamine hit of the January one pick with actual progress. Same is true in our relationships. Love is a verb, as an action. It takes intention and, and it takes movement forward, quantifiable action every single day. Yeah, man. I was actually having a conversation with... Um, What's his name? I forgot his name. I'm really bad at names. But the program, founder of the program. What's his name? Nick. Nick. Nick yeah, I was having a conversation with Nick. Yeah, yeah and we uh, about relationships and about marriage and stuff. And we we mm-hmm. came to the conclusion that love requires discipline, right? And so uh, I told her, I told him about oh. a problem that I was having with my wife that she expects for me to give her love, right? For her, for me to mm-hmm. like express my love to her. Uh, sure. touch her right hug her and, and, and stuff like that just small things mm-hmm. that would expert that would mean that i that would mean to her that i love her and yeah. i was so i was telling him that i wasn't doing it and and he was like well why right well because i don't feel like it and we came to the conclusion that like love having a relationship requires requires discipline which means doing things despite of despite of how you're feeling yeah it, and that's but that's the same that's true in all aspects right like mm-hmm. Now, I listen, I love what I do. It's a gift. I love being able to serve at the capacity and to be able to advise both individuals and corporations. I love being able to travel and speak. I love it all. Are there certain aspects that I don't want to do on a daily basis? You're damn right. Yeah. I don't just wake up like pissing rainbows and things are perfect (laughs) every day. But you have to suspend your feelings because your feelings will always like they'll always try to keep you safe. And safety mm-hmm. is just a perception of reality, right? It's a cognitive belief system. It's, it's a bias. And so often our ego gets involved, but the results that we want are always tied to action that supersede our feelings. I always feel like going to the gym and I love, I love training. I love working out. I love boxing. I love MMA or like BJJ. I love rolling. I, I love sparring. I love it. Do I want to go every day when I know I'm probably going to get rocked in the head that I may chip a tooth today that I'm going to be pushed towards like working out so hard that I throw it. Like, do I want to do all that? Not every day, but I do it Mm -hmm. because I want the result. There are times that you're not going to feel like texting your spouse. There's going to be times you don't feel like getting the flowers and times that they piss you off and you just want to let that, you just want to fine, fine. If you're not going to do it, I'm not going to do it. But all that does is, is creates uh, a distance in communication. It creates a distance in intimacy, right? And when, when we think about love as or relationship as a bathtub in the beginning, like we're pouring water in by the bucket for, you know I mean? It's just sappy. Mm-hmm. It's fun. It's romantic. But the problem is every time that there's a, a disconnect and every time that there's a shutdown and every time that there's a, a, a breaking of trust, that, that plug is pulled. And whether it's your tub or her tub, right? You're both responsible for how much water you let out. And some offenses drain more water than others. The problem is if, and then every, every time you drain the tub, 
even just a little bit, those acts of love become like teaspoons and tablespoons. They're no longer buckets anymore. And so it takes far more intentionality to cultivate that intimacy once it's been lost, right? And the problem is just like a bank account, if you withdraw more than you deposit, that, that tub becomes empty. And then it becomes empty for so long that your partner has to decide, do I even want to put the plug back in? Yeah, man. And, and that's why, um, so I want to, I want to go into two, two things, right? One of them might be a little bit un, uncomfortable and it might be inappropriate. Right. And, the, and the, the second one is what I want to talk about first, which is why, why accountability is so important. Right. Sure. So like, no matter how great you think you are, because I mean, you're probably very great, but as you know, as humans and your feelings, you're always trying to keep yourself safe, right? Yeah. Keep yourself comfortable. And because you don't have, a, if you don't have accountability, if you don't have the right kind of, uh, kind of accountability of person pushing you so that you can live up to your full potential, right? You always fall back um, to what's more comfortable, right? Which I've experienced. Sure. I saw I saw it on your story and I, I took a screenshot of it. By the way, man, I'm always taking screenshots of your of your of your stories. They're they're they're, yeah. they're amazing, man. Thanks, so man. what I want to talk about is uh, so you got divorced, right, Cody? Right? I did. Yeah, and like for me, like I want to have it all, man. I want to become sure. what I call a modern gentleman, right? Which yeah. includes right physical freedom, mm-hmm. looking good and feeling good, emotional freedom, having a purpose sure. in a in a in a goal that I'm working towards. Um, you know, it includes sentimental freedom, financial freedom, having a business that not only is profitable but that uh, impacts people and sentimental freedom, right? Being a husband and a father, right? But like sometimes um, my actions don't take me to what I actually want, which is being happy with my with my wife, being happy with my kid. Sometimes I, I do things that like self-sabotage, you know, in my, my relationships and that sure. cause it, that cause them to be like negative and, and, and hard to handle. And, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes I even have thoughts about abandoning i even have thoughts that you know like make me think that the solution to having it all quickly right to accomplishing my goals financially and to becoming the version that i want to become the solution for that is leaving my family right um which isn't which isn't uncommon by the way I know. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So I, just, I mean, I, I want you to know that that might not be the most appropriate or healthy way to to view uh, your family, but I do want you to know that that it, that's very very common. So you're not alone in that modality of thinking. And right. So so you you I mean, how can I say this? You got divorced, right? Yeah, that's um, that's so probably you, the best way to say it. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. not awkward and, to uh, me. We can talk about it. Cool, man. And, and I mean, how did that happen? Why did that happen? What, why do you think that happened? Sure. So uh, we got, uh, my son's mom and I, we got married. Uh, we were both really young, right? And there, there was a lot of interesting pressure placed on us within the church community that we were a part of. Mm-hmm. And so it wasn't like it was arranged. It was just, there was a lot of pressure. And so we felt that pressure. And so, and so we again, did what we felt like was the health, the, the best thing to do uh, at the time. Uh, over the course of the almost five years that we were married, um, you know, we were great friends. Like we were, we were great friends before we got married. And the, the marriage piece for us just didn't, um, didn't make sense for us. 
right? And I was, I was a lot like you. I was in ministry at the time, uh, but I was so focused on ministry and I was so focused on like my God being my job and my job was God. And so it had to come first. And so, I mean, I was, I was in university taking classes, uh, working towards a, like a double master's in theology and church history. I was running like eight positions at the church. I, I, there was so much pressure that I was placing on myself, which then created a bunch of tension and friction within our marriage. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she had pretty much disconnected. Um, she got to the point where she, you know, she wanted to see someone else. And so because of you, uh, I don't know if it was because of me or just because mm-hmm. things just didn't weren't there. There wasn't a lot of intimacy. And okay. again, we were great friends, but the, we, we lacked that piece. Uh, that, okay. that piece of the puzzle that's very, very important, which is the intimate part. And so as a result, uh, you know, my son was one, we, we got divorced and the, the, the gentleman that she started seeing, uh, they're now married. They've been married. They've got three other kids. Um, he is a, a very close friend of mine. She is a very, very close friend of mine. We're together pretty much every day that I'm in town. Um, we, our co-parenting dynamic is one of almost being like best friends, uh, the three of us. It is confusing for a lot of people. You, if you come to like one of my son's baseball games, you will see that like typically they're girls and they have a two month old as well. So they have two twins, they have twins and they have a, a two month old. I'm usually holding the two month old and the twins are with me. Like if you see my stories, you'll see me posting with the girls all the time. Like, and I'll hashtag not oh, my students. kids and hashtag uh-huh. co-parenting done right. Um, it, it's a dynamic that we've created. It works really, really well for us. Um, we are amazing friends. Uh, just, and we were just never like that in love scenario. Mm-hmm. And, and maybe like we thought that we were for a season. Um, I won't, I won't, I can't speak for her. Um, I just know that, that over time, um, we, 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 we drifted and I was really focused on my thing. She was really focused on her thing things we're obviously focused on raising a son together and when the decision was made to to divorce um you know our priority is making sure like i'm 37 my parents have never been in the same room together they got divorced when i was a kid like i've never had a meal with both my parents in the same room i've never done anything with them together never Mm -hmm. and she's the same way and so and he is the same way her (laughs) husband so we wanted to create a dynamic that was not only healing for all of our kids and created just one large unit of love and laughter, uh, but also it's healing for us in a lot of ways because we're, we're stopping the generational trauma that we experienced and we're allowing our kids to experience something different. Mm-hmm. That's amazing, man. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm curious, Cody, what do you think about, so for example, me, right? And I bet, you know, this might be, you know, like an idea or a problem or, you know, like a thought that many other men might have, but like, I have like this identity of wanting to make it work, right? I have like this identity of, I gotta show up for my family. I gotta be there for them. And uh, like, I don't want to abandon them. Right. But yeah, I don't know. And then my, my wife has even asked me that, right? Like, are you with us? Because like, you just want to fulfill the modern gentleman role of, having it all and, and having to be there for your family or are you with us because you actually want to, right? Mm-hmm. Which is crazy, right? then, It's not uh, crazy because if she's articulating that, you're giving her a reason to. And so you yeah. need to do some deep introspective work as to why she would even ask that. Mm-hmm. 
Well, we're really open, right? And, and, I, and I told her that, like, I want to, well, yeah. So, like, my answer, man, is that I love her, right? But, like, love is not a, it's not an emotion because, like, emotion right now, you're mad. You know, in a couple of minutes, you might be happy. Sure. And, you know, and, sure. you know, same way. So, like, mm-hmm. love for me is not, like, an emotion or something that you're going to feel every single day. But, like, love is commitment and a decision, right? And, yeah. you know, as a modern gentleman, Right, that I that I am, and that I'm working toward, you know, towards becoming. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've decided, and I've committed myself to be there for my family, and to show up, and to like not abandon them, like my dad did to seven other kids. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like it's. I don't know if I feel it, but it, I definitely have decided. Have decided that that's how I wanted it to be, and I don't know. You know, sometimes I I may not feel it, but I I'm definitely committed to be there for them and just make sure that it works yeah then then you need to make it a then, then making it a higher priority with your actions because feelings mm-hmm. follow actions if you say you're not feeling it right you need to change what you're doing and so by being more intentional to do things that uh edify your wife's love language um you have kids is that right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. as well as your kids right Again, it's, 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 even if you don't feel it, remember we push, we push the emotions aside because we recognize that I love this person. And because I love this person, I, I support and I, I edify in these ways, right? Not because I'm expecting something back because that's not what love does. Not love is not manipulative. Love is not control. Love, love is certainly not isolation. Love is not simply the intention of, of an action that is not fulfilled. Like love is an active choice of through action saying, I put you first, mm-hmm. right? It's a, in the Bible, it's called the mutual submission to one another. So my consideration to you as somebody who has almost 20 years on you would be to take a really healthy look and a really objective look at what you're doing on a daily basis. Because if you're telling me you just had a conversation with Nick Alfano about how you're not doing certain things, then I would have you consider that is exactly why you're feeling the way that you're feeling and why there's consternation. It is not so much usually that there's a problem with your spouse right? What we have is a lack of congruence towards the man that you say that you are because you're not doing the things that you know that you're called to do, which leads to a frustration that we can then place on that person and say, well, I'm not doing all of these things because I have this responsibility in my life, but it's not just a responsibility. It's a gift and it's a blessing. Mm -hmm. There is no greater gift than love, right? And, and, And people will know us by how we love others specifically how we love those intimately, our, our partners and our children and our families. And so my consideration to you is, is first and foremost, look at what you're doing. Look at what yeah. you're doing. It may not be, I need to get her flowers every week because that may not be her love language. She may be like, that's great. But what it's I not. really want is time with you. I want conversation with you. I want intimacy with you. I want you to hold me. I want to watch a movie together. I, I, I want to share my dreams. I want to, I want to hear about your day. I don't want you stressed. I, and if you are stressed, I want to talk about it. I want to hear about it, right? So often we, we shut down when we get home because for people like us, we're so busy pouring every day that when we get home, the cup is empty and we just want to chill. Problem is, we didn't ask for that. And so you're creating mm-hmm. a disconnect in the intimacy and the friendship that, that was cultivated early on in your relationship. And so my consideration to you, again, would be to start doing different things. I decided to start 
showing up different, man. And uh, I actually yeah. took the time, actually this last week, took the time to find out what my wife's love language is, which, you know, it was a suggestion from Nick, um, you know, find out what your wife's love language is, right? So, and I, I yeah. found out that it was spending quality time with her. So like being yeah. focused with her, having conversation, yeah. watching movie mm-hmm. and holding hands, right? It, it wasn't It wasn't about giving her gifts and it wasn't about, yeah. right touching her which i always bring her flowers and i you know i i tell her that i love her and i hug her but that's not as meaningful to her as me sitting down playing monopoly for an hour and a half or two with her yeah it's it's quality focused time right it's attention and typically it's safe physical like safe physical touch there's answer physical touch and it's not that that's not safe it's it's the it's the kiss on the forehead. It's the holding hands. It's the hand on the small of the back as you're walking. It's those little mm-hmm. touches that remind them that they're safe and, and intimately and emotionally, physically, they, they, they financially, spiritually, they want to feel safe. Um, and so again, that's not to like blanket statement, all women. So just hear me like, I'm not trying to blanket statement everyone. <laughs> I'm just saying that I've, I've been, I've been walking with guys for about 20 something years now. And there's, there are some fairly consistent patterns. So Cody, now that we're talking about, you know, breaking the chain as, as a father, right. And, and yeah. now that we're talking about relationships, I saw a video of you the other day talking about how, uh-huh. you know, like you are trying to, uh, you know, heal, right. Like, like your kid and hear yourself in the process, right. Like you said right now mm-hmm. that you experienced, I don't know the exact words that you used, uh, but on the video, you talked about how, you know, as, as, as kids, right, you have this trauma mm-hmm. of growing up without money and, and, and you don't have money, right? And, sure. and then sure. money was scarce. So you always saw your, mm-hmm. your parents like working and working really hard and always busy mm-hmm. because they wanted to provide it and because they wanted, they were working towards money, yeah. right? So now mm-hmm. that you grew up, you're like, well, you know, you have more money, but you're still wanting to grow your business bigger and wanting to you know, like uh, fulfill your purpose and, and stuff like that. And your kid asks you to yeah. go to the game and you don't because you're busy building a big business, but your kid in reality yeah. never asked for that. What he wanted is for you Time. to go to his game. Yeah. yeah. So that is, you know, like, man, I, I mean, I, when I, when I saw the video, I was like, you know, I was like blown away by what you said. So yeah, uh, I don't know. Maybe you can say it again. <laughs> well, sure. I mean, I, I can, I can, try to articulate it in, in a way that, that will that will hopefully resonate with your listeners is so often we grow up at, at least i would assume majority of your listeners people like us we grew up without a silver spoon i grew up in a single parent household and my dad worked all the time and i'm very very grateful because we never went without anything and the way that he showed love was to work all the time mm-hmm. and so but money was always scarce. Like money, money was, it was always, a. there, there never just seemed to be enough. Like we never really had as much as others. And there were things that we definitely went without. And it created this idea that stress and tension, because my dad was stressed a lot of the time that the stress and the tension came from money. So money creates stress, money creates tension, money is hard. There's never enough of it. And you've got to outwork everyone. Well, the problem with then working really hard and creating a life for yourself that, that is affluent, right? Or you, you do start generating a, a healthy living as an adult is you never learned anything different. And so because you're making more, you start giving your kids more things, 
right? Because we think I never grew up with this. I'm giving you everything I never had. Well, the problem with that is that you're in the process missing things and you're missing presence, not, not presence with a TS, but with a CE, like you're missing the, the presence of your kid growing up. You're missing the intimacy with your partner because you're so focused on providing more because in your mind, if you can just solve the money problem that everything else will fix itself because the money thing was always scarce. The problem is when you solve the money conversation, it illuminates and opens up a separate set of questions that must be identified and answered that one can only answer once the money conversation uh, has has been solved. And so what ends up happening is we keep overworking, we keep the pattern going of being absent as a parent, our kids just have more stuff. So our kids are like, I never asked you to build a big business. I never asked you to do any of things. I just asked you to be at my game. And you're saying you can't so that we can have all these things, but I didn't ask for any of these things. I'm asking for you. And so one of the ways that I like, I live this out, right? So I do a lot of things. I, I, I'll fly out tomorrow to, to, to LA or to Orange County. I'm gone through Saturday. Typically I would stay through Sunday. I would see all my friends. I would surf. I would have a really great time. Um, and that's all well and good, but it's baseball season. My son mm-hmm. has two games on Sunday and I don't, I don't, I'm not missing them. So I'll fly back, back on Saturday, I fly back Saturday morning so that I can come back, get rest and I'm there ready to go for games. So it's all about being who you said you were going to be and creating a new paradigm for, for who it is that they're becoming and who it is cool. that you're becoming. Yeah. Yeah, man, that's... And then, so you think that you're breaking the chain of not enough money, but in reality, you're not, right? Right. Because you're still acting the same way as if it was scarce. You're overworking, working really hard and not giving your kids the time that they actually want. Right. Well, and for a lot of us, we don't know how to do that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because yeah. in, in, our, in our subconscious, we're still wired that we have to make more money because that solves the problems. And so because of that, because we were never raised with, with parents who actually sat down and maybe had intimate conversations with us and mm-hmm. led us, um, we, don't, we don't know how to do that. And so to sit down with their kids, it's like, I want to, but it's kind of a Ricky Bobby moment. I don't know what to do with my hands. I don't know what to say. Um, <laughs> and so all of that, all of that takes work and it takes intentionality and it, and it takes really leaning into understanding that everything that you're doing, like, this is the real scary shit of being a parent is you don't recognize, like a lot of us don't recognize everything you do, the way that you approach them, the way that you reprimand them, the way that you love them, hold them, don't hold them, hug them, don't hug them the ways that you speak into their identity, the way the expectations that you place on them, the way that they see you communicate love, the way that they see you intimately with your partner, if you have one, the way that you co-parent, all of that is influencing their identity. It is influencing how they love. It is influencing how they receive love. It is influencing how they view relationships, intimacy, money, spirituality, physical health, emotional health, relational health. It's influencing everything. You are responsible because again, more is caught than taught. So it doesn't matter what you say, right? It it only matters in so much that you're congruent to what it is that you do. Otherwise your kids are going to start to realize that, ah, dad's kind of full of shit. He says this, but he actually does this over here. So I can't trust him. I'm not going to listen to him because I know he means well, but he doesn't actually follow through with what he says. So make sure that what you say matches what you do. Okay. Yeah, man, that, that is scary, man. So um, it's not, it, it can be scary or it can be the greatest gift of your life. 
because you recognize the accountability that you have to hold to yourself, not just for yourself, but because little lies are watching that you created. Yeah. And they might be listening. They listen to 60% of the time, but they're always watching. So they're always watching. Man, so um, we have a couple of minutes and I like to end by asking you a couple of questions. So the first one is, if you would, you you know, if you could travel back in time, um, you know, like not saying that you have to, no, just if you could travel back in time to give your 18-year-old self uh, some advice, what would that be? Spend more time with your grandparents. Powerful. Okay. My, uh, yeah, not what you expected. Relationships are the most important thing in my life. My grandma's still here. My grandfather passed away in 2013. He was the, 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 one of the greatest mentors of my life. And there was a season through my late teens and into my 20s where I was incredibly busy with ministry stuff. And so I wasn't, I wasn't around a lot. And it wasn't, it wasn't good or bad. It was just I was doing a lot of things and I just wasn't present uh, for, for my family during that season. And then in 2013, my, my grandfather passed away. And while I was able to say everything I wanted to say, and again, like, I mean, even like, like one of my most prized possessions is this, I'm, for those of you listening, I'm holding up a little dog that we whittled out of wood together. Like we were, we we're always doing things. And he taught me so much about life and legacy and love and, and Christ and being a servant and being a there you are person in a world of here I am people. And if I could go back and tell my 18 year old self every anything, it would be don't sacrifice your soul on the altar of what you perceive is success. Because success isn't what's in your bank account. Success is the equity of your relationships and the intimacy and the cultivation of those relationships day in and day out. And you can, you can make money and you can lose it and you can make it again. You'll make friends and you'll lose them and you'll make new friends again. You can fall in love and out of love as quickly as you trip up and down a sidewalk, but you will never get time back. It is the one thing that we never get back. And if you don't invest it, you spend it. And when you spend it, you lose it. And we can, we can, we can use our whole life fighting battles of no eternal consequence, chasing things of temporal um, validation and success and meaningless trivial pursuit that at the end of the day will leave us lonely, afraid, frustrated, and wishing that we could go back and do things differently. So if I could say anything, it would be, do not take this time, this life for granted. Call the people you love, tell them you love them, walk with them intimately, help everyone to be seen, known, and loved for who they are and who they can become. Be slow to speak and quick to listen. Be slow to anger and quick to forgive. Recognize that everyone is fighting their own battle, that they are walking through things that you've never seen or experienced. So give grace. Seek to see the best in people. Seek to bring that out of them. That would be my advice. Thanks, Cody. Yeah, man, thank you. So I actually have a grandma, right? uh, She raised me. And, uh, you know, like now, like I'm I'm starting a a world movement of wanting to help men become modern gentlemen. So what would you, you know, how would you personalize that advice to me? We'll go back to what I said earlier. Look at the fruit of your actions. If you find yourself 
missing out on intimacy within your relationship, within your marriage, with your kids, right? That's priority one, which means that you are priority one, which means that you have to go into the depths of your own soul and your own character. And you have to look at the ways in which you're sabotaging because maybe it's fulfilling a pattern that you saw growing up mm-hmm. and it's becoming a self-fulfilling legacy. And the only way, the only way to eradicate that from your life is to go deep, right? I go to, I, I go to counseling every single week I have for a long time. I have coaches and mentors that hold me accountable, right? Because I'm not as smart as I think I am. And my brain is much more powerful than I give it credit. And so I will sabotage myself if I lose awareness. So it is imperative that I keep people around me that hold me accountable to the man that I say that I'm becoming, which means that I have to be incredibly honest with myself. And I also have to be incredibly honest with those around me. So if you don't have that, I would have you consider that you need to find that in your life. People that can hold you accountable, not only to your honesty, but to the truth, because you can be honest with yourself and still be lying. Yeah. Okay, Cody. Well, man, uh, thank you very much for being here, man. Uh, I really loved everything that you said. And I, yeah. I, I'm sure that people are going to share this episode because, they, because of how they found it really valuable. So um, cool. if I want to know more of you, right? I mean, I definitely know that I enjoy watching your stories full of value yeah. and full of you. Yeah. So like, I, I want to know if I want I want to know more of you, man. Where should I go? Like, what is the best way? What is the best way to get in contact with you or just follow you to see what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, I would say I'm most active like on social, uh, probably Instagram. So listen, okay. everybody has a powerful story. I believe that. And I believe that most are, are listen, waiting for someone to listen to it. So if you want to connect with me, just shoot me a message on Instagram. It's Cody underscore Jefferson. Listen, uh, I always respond to every message that I get. Uh, it might take me a second because we do receive quite a few every day. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, but would love to hear your story. Would love to connect with you and, uh, would love to share in whatever is going on in your life. And, uh, and, and that's where, you know, I share a lot of content and everything else. So cool. So your Instagram, and then I'll also make sure to put the, you know, your website for embrace the lion and the, yeah, and your embrace the lion. That. Yeah. Embrace the lion.org Cody Jefferson.com. Absolutely. Great, man. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for being here, man. It was a pleasure yeah. talking to you and, 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 uh, yeah, having a, this conversation with you and getting it to call this work. Sure. All right, man. Well, thank you very much, man. And I'll see Have you later. Take care.